and welcome back to my podcast. It's Grace here and I'm not going to call it a state of mind because this is a little mini series that I've put together called Are You Coping? And it is five questions for five guests, um, the same questions each time. And it's all about just things that are keeping them going in lockdown rituals, um, what they've learned about themselves since being at home, um, meals that they can't live without, and just a good old chat that hopefully is going to inspire you guys to either pick up some new habits, um, maybe ditch some old ones, and just laugh a little bit. And that's definitely what I did with my guest for this episode, Kat Sarsfield. Kat is a really good friend of mine. Um, and I think that comes across in this short episode because we giggle quite a lot. Um, Kat is one of my food heroes. She is such a sensational cook and she's recently started a newsletter called Since No One Asked. Um, And she basically shares all of her food wisdom because no one asked, but she's doing it anyway, which I think is brilliant. Um, And her recipes usually have lots of lemon zest, olive oil, Parmesan cheese. They involve lots of pasta, amazing lettuces under the name of Castel Franco and just cool things. She's amazing. If you don't already follow Kat on Instagram, she's at Kat Sarsfield. And we talk a lot about kind of, um, well, we have really interesting conversations in this episode about what we learn from being in isolation. And I was sharing that I personally have found I need to be more compassionate because I'm someone that generally needs my own space quite a lot and I'm not getting it. And Kat was saying that because she's isolating by herself, that she has found she needs to learn to reach out to people more to say that she wants to chat or she's not all right or you know to have that connection because it's so easy not to if you are self-isolating alone so i think there's a lot in this episode for everyone um i hope it makes you laugh and um inspires you to get into the kitchen and just gives you some lovely light-hearted content to listen to during lockdown. If you do enjoy it, please do subscribe to my podcast, which is called State of Mind, um, and leave me a review on the Apple Podcasts app if you can. I'm not really sure why, but it massively helps the podcast to be heard by more people if you review it um, and share it with all your friends. Um, I absolutely love making this podcast. Thank you so much for listening and let's get into the episode. Welcome to Are You Coping? The subsection of State of Mind podcast with me, Grace Kingswell, and my wonderful guest for episode one, Kat Sarsfield. Hi, Kat. Hi, how are you? This is so exciting. I'm really well. How are you doing? I'm very well enjoying the sun or what's left of it. I feel like I'm not sure what the nation collectively is going to do when the sun goes away and we are still in lockdown. Well, I've checked the weather and apparently the sun will be here for at least another week. So I think we're fine for now. Oh, great. This is really good news. (laughs) So my first question, and we're going to keep these podcasts quite short and sweet, is who are you? 
Who am I? What a what a big question, Grace. I know. Um, my name is Kat Sarsfield, as you said. Um, I am a writer. I work for an amazing content and tone of voice agency called Sondra and Tell in London. Um, and I also do a lot of things around food. Um, most recently have started a newsletter called Since No One Asked, um, which is in its second issue, which came out today. Woo! um I so yeah the foodie thing is probably the reason that I was so excited to talk to you for this little mini series because your recipes well I would not necessarily recipes but your in inspiration and like your food content is just so great and so mm. refreshing as we were just saying before we came on air um the opposite of beige food essentially <laughs> avocado on toast um so yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I have one, two, three, four, five questions for you, Kat. And the first one is, how has your daily routine changed since lockdown? Um, It's interesting. Actually, my routine hasn't really changed that much. And I think it's because I, A, live on my own and B, I'm fairly... Um, introverted on the weekends anyway. So a lot of my routine as it is um, on like a normal basis is usually cooking and going to the grocery store and picking up food and going for walks on my own and sitting in the park and doing yoga in my living room or going to a studio. So I think the only thing that's really changed for me is the fact that obviously I don't go into an office um, every day. So that's strange, but I still check in with my colleagues, which is really lovely um, every day. And then I guess it's more just like changing the rituals that I have throughout the day um whereas usually I would commute to work and I would cycle and walk and that would be sort of like my exercise and the way that I would get clear headspace before I just do that anyway in the morning but I end up coming back to my flat rather than going somewhere yeah. else um so I think it's not the daily routine hasn't changed that much I guess I have been cooking a lot more which is kind of been the spark and the trigger for for starting the newsletter and sort of being a lot more aware of feeding myself because even though I love food and I love cooking um, I also equally love going out to restaurants and going out for drinks and meeting friends outside of my own space as well um, because I you know I live in East London and I'm extremely lucky that we have a lot of amazing local neighborhood restaurants um, obviously sadly they've mostly had to close so have just been trying to like imbue that sense of excitement and love of food through cooking myself a lot more so I guess that's pretty much the only thing that's really really changed for me I'm very lucky that um not too much has changed who are your culinary heroes my culinary heroes I mean yeah. basically any staff writer for Bon Appetit um and if if anyone doesn't know what Bon, bon Appetit it's a amazing Condé Nast um, magazine that's based in New York and they have I love them for their brand and their tone of voice in general just because I think that they make food really fun and accessible but they just have such an amazing um, host of cooks and um, staff writers and test kitchen um, recipe makers and I love there's a woman called Molly Baz um, and if you follow her on Instagram I highly recommend it she's very funny and um, she always has really interesting recipes that aren't that usually are quite classic but she puts like a little spin on it and the way that she writes is always quite fun and funny um, and then Alison Roman who uh, wrote an amazing cookbook called Nothing Fancy which came out last year and she's all about sort of like 
creating food that's like really fuss free and isn't all about like Michelin star dining. It's just sort of about mm. creating things that's re- things that are really fun. Um, so yeah, I think those anyone from Bon Appetit basically, and then I love Rachel Alice Roddy, who is a British cook and um she's written a couple of cookbooks and writes for the guardian as well but she's based in rome and because i have a huge love of pasta um i always look for her for <laughs> pasta inspiration basically i'm gonna go off piece with my q a but if mm. you had to pick a favorite type of pasta right now what would it be oh do you know what i've been craving orecchietti i don't really i'm not sure if that's actually how you say it um no it is i think it is yeah Yeah. um but i was thinking about it because when i was living in um in the states in california i used to make this one recipe with mushrooms and parsley and loads of parmesan and lemon zest um super super simple but always used orecchietti because i love the way firstly i love that they look like little ears and um, they just keep they hold like pools of oil really really well and I always douse my douse my pasta with a lot of um, extra virgin olive oil and I just really like that it kind of holds it and then when you get take a little mouthful I usually eat it with a spoon rather than a fork so it all stays in yeah and it just sort of like collects in your mouth and it's really delicious I'm a huge fan of, you know, an etiquette out the window, um, spoon eating anyway. Oh, agree. My, my husband eats everything with a fork. And I don't know whether it's like, well, it probably is because he's Australian. And like, I feel really sorry for Nick because I always end up talking about him on the podcast. <laughs> um, but he like refuses to use a spoon. So when he's having pasta, if it's like fusilli or something, and he will try and get like every piece of pasta with the fork. And then like inevitably you're left with all the yummy sauce kind of like around the bowl mm, yeah it's and just... I yeah no I agree I think that the, a, a fork is very useful for many things obviously I think especially <laughs> if, if we're talking just like pasta I think for fusilli or penne or any of those like really mm. quite like short the short shapes that um are quite long in a way I guess um that that's what you use a fork for I think that's good but you always need a spoon at the end of the meal to make sure that you, do. you that you can like, mop it up but I think we've spoken about this before that we love eating out of bowls like I very rarely yeah. eat the only thing I eat off a plate is toast like bread or okay. bread or anything like that if I have a salad if I have pasta if I have rice any sort of most food I will eat out of a bowl yeah um, so I, and I, I find think it- that's Sorry, I was going to say, I think that's quite a recent, like, thing that, you know, like, societally we've moved towards. Yeah. Because I feel like, like, certainly if you were, like, going back to, like, my uni days where we'd have these, like, silly formal dinners, you would never get anything served in a bowl. And, like, no. like the very kind of upper-class friends that I had at said university would never put anything in a bowl. I think it's seen as quite, like... I don't know, just not particularly kind of... Refined. Yes, refined. Yeah, well, I think that we've, as a, in general, I think like our generation is relaxed a lot more around cooking. I think that's like, I think that's where cooks and writers like Alice and Roman have really come into her own because we don't really do formal dining anymore. I mean, if you think no. about restaurants, especially in London, like the restaurants that most people go to that me or you would go to, we're not going to like Michelin star dining rooms and we're not we're not paying sort of like upwards of like 60 pounds for a dish because that's it's like unachievable and I think that Mm. the bowl is sort of like this new it's like a humble 
um, piece of crockery that everyone has access to. And it's actually just like such a nice way. It's comforting. I think it's about people especially now the way that we're eating food is about comfort it's not about making things fancy and it's not about making things really formal it's just like what can be wholesome and and make you feel good and I think bottles really do that and especially because I think because they hold flavor um just for the fact that they have size and that you can kind of like push it up against it and then make sure that you spoon everything out I think there's something really yes it's almost like decadent with that but without the like refinement of decadence I think it's like quite a luxury it's very luxurious I think to eat out of a bowl totally Um, and it's like the tactile element too because mm. you can kind of especially at times like these you can kind of hold it against yourself and like spoon up your yummy pasta and it's just like soul Soul yeah it's like yeah food, it's like soul it? food and I think it's it Bowl kind food of is soul food yeah and I think that it's also about like the fact that throughout the day like your lines are really blurred about what time of day it is anyway so I think the bowl kind of allows you to, tra- to transition from like eating cereal or granola in the morning to like it's having like- a salad and then having pasta it's like um, day to night dressing that you yeah, read in the pages just of a glossy a, magazine. Yeah, but... for a bowl. No, <laughs> for I think it's true. And I think actually I was doing some, with Sandra and Tal, we were doing some, um, we worked with a brand that is about to come out with a, a really beautiful, simple line of um, of crockery and, and flatware in the next couple of months. And they have, um, they've decided to do sort of like signature dishes. So you'll have like a cereal bowl, a pasta bowl, um, a serving dish, and then like a dinner plate. And mm. their pasta bowl is the most perfect size because it's slightly, it's not, you know how cereal bowls tend to be quite high sided, whereas yeah. pasta bowls, um, or I would also call like a salad bowl for me as well, are slightly wider, but then with a lower rim. And shallower. Yeah. yeah. So you've got like, it's more shallow, but, and you get more surface area at the bottom, but you've still got the side and mm. it's like, it kind of portions out the perfect amount of pasta, which is like more than you need, but not too much to be too full which is the perfect amount yeah. for me amazing um okay so what are you most grateful for at the moment I'm most grateful for I mean I'm most grateful for living where I do for the fact that I am very lucky that I live in a very beautiful flat that um I love so much and that it has south facing windows that I finally managed to open all the way because I live in a council mm-hmm. estate and I had blinds that um stopped me from opening all the way and can on yeah um and also just for the fact that we're really lucky that we have so many amazing grocery stores and incredible um places that are still selling and stocking great food and and I don't have to go to a supermarket. I don't have to queue um, or go somewhere that's been totally um, emptied of all of its um, of all of its produce. And I think that that's a real luxury to live somewhere where you can go to a grocery store that's totally local, where all of the food is like not wrapped in plastic. It come you know where it comes from. You can have a conversation with like the shopkeeper from a two meter distance, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's, I'm really grateful for that because my parents, they live in the countryside in Buckinghamshire and they've actually, then they're in their seventies and they found it really difficult to, to get food because firstly the delivery services are so jam packed that it's difficult to get a slot. And even if they were to go to a supermarket because of the fact that they live quite isolated anyway in the countryside, there's so many people and so few supermarkets. Um, so everything's kind of like flying off the shelves and you know, my mum regularly says when she's on the phone to me that she was like, you're, you're like in the epicentre of amazing food, which is extremely lucky. Mm, yeah. 
I know it's um my my parents do the same they try and get um deliveries and yesterday all of us were told over breakfast that um anytime we walked past my mum's iPad we had to hit refresh on a cardo mm. and then see if any slots had come up yeah, for next week it's crazy I did one cardo order a couple of weeks ago yeah. and it was, I can't get another slot no there are like you cannot get another slot so we'll have to go to um the supermarket next week but um we'll be taking my dad because he's over 17 he gets to go in really early in the morning so hopefully we can get some uh what's it what's flying off the shelves tinned tomatoes i guess is the thing isn't it everyone's yeah. after tinned tomatoes and yeah pasta. And, ch- and chickpeas everyone's like i'm like what are you doing with the chickpeas though I'm i can know. i'm like tell me more about making what you're doing hummus making hummus know. maybe just but it's never going to be as good as the hummus that you can buy because you know how when you get the right we're deviating we're going to talk about hummus you know when you go to like a middle eastern restaurant Mm, and you mm -hmm. have the hummus and it's unbelievably smooth Mm. and then you go home and you're like i'm gonna make hummus and you drain your can of chickpeas and you make Mm. hummus it's like lumpy and gross i didn't know that they painstakingly or maybe they have a machine to do it but they remove the skins of every chickpea before they blend them and then you get that amazingly smooth hummus yeah but i think you also have to lower your expectations of anything of any like food that you cook from like a culture that is so embedded in like their food stories because i think with like middle eastern food and I and I'm actually really I'm terrible for this because my mum's South Korean and I very rarely cook Asian food because I find it difficult. I'm a perfectionist, so I'm like I'm not going to do it as well as my mum, basically. Mm. Um, but also because it's really difficult to cook amazing Asian food at home, I think. Um, and I think it's you have to almost suspend your disbelief of of what it's going to be like. I think because I make hummus at home sometimes if I've got a can of chickpeas and um, it's like something I want to have with a salad, and I just have to be like this isn't going to be as amazing as the one that you get from when you go to Berber and Q, which is my favorite Middle Eastern restaurant in London, um, because I don't have access to incredible Israeli tahini and my chickpeas have come from a can and not fresh from, you know, either yeah. from a jar or fresh, like if you've um, made them from dried. And I feel like you also have to be prepared that it's probably going to use up all of the olive oil that you have available in your flat. And then you'll be stuck with this hummus and no olive oil. I know. I actually really wish that I'd done like a big, well, I'm sure I could do it now. But when I was working in Cornwall with the chef Ben, we used to get all of our olive oil from this place in Spain, in Andalusia, because um, he used to go and help harvest all of the olives before um, the year started um and we used to do sort of like big group trips and then we'd get these like huge you know like liters and liters and liters of Mm. olive oil and i wish that i'd bought like a 10 liter vat of that because olive oil is firstly really expensive and if you want really good olive oil and it goes the way that i use it it goes very quickly yeah me too and it's also one (laughs) of the things that's really hard to get hold of at the moment Mm, i find in the supermarkets mm-hmm. um okay so food for all of us is such a comfort mm-hmm. at a time like this what's your culinary hero right now or a meal that you simply cannot live without i think i am so aside from like bon appetit and Alison roman um i am really enjoying my friend brie graham um 
I don't know if I can call her a friend. I've interviewed her for Sondra and Tal, um, but she's- Yeah, go with it. I'll go with it. Sorry, Brie. Can we be friends, please? Um, She (laughs) is the content editor for Natura, which is a fruit food produce, um, a fresh um, produce delivery platform that used to service just the restaurant industry, but has now pivoted to to serving the public, obviously, in this crisis. Um, But she- also has a partner that she lives with who is an amazing photographer so all of her food on her instagram is ridiculously just so delectably oh delicious gosh, looking i'm gonna have to follow um, her and very colorful and really lovely so i've really been enjoying um what she's been sort of putting out on her instagram she's just started something called dishes to delight where she's putting out recipes and they're really lovely and quite simple um and really easy and accessible so i've been really enjoying that um and then a meal i can't live without i mean I would say pasta, but I think I'm actually going to get, I don't know, I can't believe I'm about to say it, but I think I might start getting a bit sick of having pasta all the time, trying to limit myself to having it only once a week so I don't get bored of it. Um, But I think just bread, like I have, I buy fresh bread every Friday from the same place at the same time. And I always, the first like four days or the first three days when the bread is super fresh, I just have it every single um, lunchtime with either just like ricotta or some avocado or a salad um, or sometimes I just dip it in olive oil and lemon zest um, yeah. but I think it would be eggs and bread I think of like the two staples that I couldn't live without I don't know if it, I guess that counts as a meal but yeah definitely <laughs> what is something you've learned about yourself since lockdown um, I think that I have learned that I'm almost too good at being independent. Um, and I, I mean that in the sense that, like I said, lockdown hasn't really changed my life that much because I'm very used to being on my own. And I really, I actually really enjoy my own company, which, uh, you know, five years ago probably would never have occurred to me to say that. But um, I think just like, because I've always traveled a lot and I've always traveled alone and I've lived alone in various different countries and have been fairly isolated um before um so I think I've just really learned how to like be alone and in obviously in some ways that's really amazing but I think I also find it really really difficult to reach out if I'm finding um if I'm finding I'm struggling at all I think in general over the last couple of weeks I've been fine because I've actually really enjoyed just like the time at home and being able to cook and like I said I'm so lucky to to live where I live but there have been times where I've been either frustrated or just wanted to like blow off steam and haven't, I find it difficult to kind of like pick up my phone and, and dial someone's number. Cause I think there's a sense of like pride that when you mm. are constant, when you've like always been single, you've always been on your own, you've had to like rely on yourself that you don't want to burden someone else with your problem. Because especially right now with like lockdown and the pandemic happening, there's so many people who are in much worse situations. Like I'm fine. I have a job. I have a flat. I can cook. I have food. Um, and I think that it, I sometimes feel guilty for expressing that I feel upset or frustrated because I don't feel like I have a right to, which I know is not true. And I know that the feelings I have are valid. So I think I've learned that I need to learn how to reach out more and allow people to kind of like look off, not look after me, but kind of care for me a bit as well. Yeah, I think it's a very, I mean, I recognize so much of myself in what you've just said. And I've always said the same throughout my life as well, that it's almost like, I feel like it's a slight curse that I am so self, I'm so kind of, you know, I just, I like, I've always said I don't need people Mm. in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I am now married, so 
that's obviously not true. But <laughs> I do think that it is a slight curse when you are so self-dependent and you just really like, really just are fine by yourself. And I've yeah. actually found since lockdown that I really miss my own company. And that's because I am isolating with other people. Yeah. But because you don't have that independence where you can just get on your bike or get in your mm. car and just like drive somewhere, even if it's like, I would love to just go and do a shop and like just go to the super bar- mm-hmm. supermarket by myself. Mm. But I find that that's been really hard. So I've definitely felt like I've learned in lockdown, not that I've implemented this yet, but that I need to have more compassion, I think, for the people around me because mm. I usually don't need to have quite as much because I can just distance and they can just distance whenever you feel like you need that space or you need that time alone whereas now it's like you cannot go anywhere so you just have to be more compassionate listen more be more be more understanding yeah and I I think it's about like communication as well I think that's the that's almost the the bad part Mm. of being on your own because I think like you said it is such a luxury to be able to like go and cook whatever I want or like eat whatever I want go to the supermarket whenever and not really worry about someone else's feelings or or being kind of confined to that but I think the communication part of like when you're self-isolating with other people you have to constantly be as much as you have to respect each other's boundaries you also have to communicate with them because otherwise you're not they're not going to be able to read your mind of what you want and what you don't want and I think that's the thing that I'm not very good at is that in some ways I'm not very good at communicating with people because I don't have to (laughs) Mm. I don't have to communicate my feelings to someone on a daily basis because uh, it's just me I mean I regularly have conversations with myself but that's another (laughs) that's another thing we'll save that for another episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay and my final question is um much like Kirsty Young might let you take three things to a desert island what are three things that you absolutely cannot live without in lockdown can I can I say for you because I feel like I know what they're gonna be (laughs) okay you can how about you say it first and then I'll say whether I agree okay (laughs) it's really simple well I think it's really simple yeah olive oil lemon zest and parmesan cheese (laughs) yeah although maybe i think actually the parmesan would be swapped out for salt oh salt yeah um yeah probably if it was like three yeah three food things definitely that i think i'd find if it it was non-food things if it was totally non-food things it would be um i wouldn't be able to live without (sighs) i mean i guess i wouldn't be able to live without the internet um Mm. i think lockdown without the internet would be extremely sad um but more specifically wouldn't be able to live without watching Grey's Anatomy which is what I've been re-watching for the last couple of weeks and I've I've not able I've not been able to binge anything else because I've just been watching re-watching season like one through 13 of Grey's Anatomy Um, I used to watch that in Spanish when I, I did Spanish at uni and like one of the methods that I tried to like learn the language better was to watch the watch Grey's Anatomy that's very dubbed clever. in Spanish yeah well that's what I do there's a couple of French there's actually one amazing if I can give a pod um not a podcast a Netflix recommendation there's an amazing show on Netflix called The Hookup Plan which is a French it's a Parisian um show about three women in Paris and they're kind of like millennial women and it's all kind of around relationships and stuff like that but it's all in French and that's what I that kind of got me back into thinking like oh, I'd like to get back into mm. French because I was watching it and kind of picking up 
words and understanding phrases as I was going. Yeah, it's a good way of doing it. Yeah. Okay, so the internet. The internet, um, yeah. Lemon um, zest and olive oil. Yeah, that would pretty much be it. Amazing. <laughs> thank you so much, Kat. It's been an absolute dream to talk to you on the podcast. And oh, thank you. Um, a little plug again, guys. Kat has an amazing email newsletter um, all about delicious food. And it's beautifully written and very funny and very witty and pertinent and wonderfully millennial so (laughs) (laughs) go uh, check her out on instagram at kat sarsfield and thank you again kat thanks grace Bye. bye